The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello and you're very welcome along to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up this episode, raising a house deposit through the bank of mum and dad. What are the financial implications and the moral ones? Kicking off our summer series on great Irish houses, we visit Johnstown Castle in Wexford with the Irish Heritage Trust. It's Bastille Day next Friday, but what are the connections between Ireland and our friends in France? We'll be joined by the organiser of Limerick Bastille Day, Wildgeese Festival, to find out. And Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan will be here to talk TVs and streaming services for all of the summer's sporting action as well as top TV drama. If you'd like to get involved in our podcast, we love to hear from listeners. So you can find us by emailing us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. I'm over on Instagram or Twitter. You'll find me at Sinead Ryan 100 or variations thereof. Uh, And of course, you can listen on a Saturday morning on News Talk Radio from 8 to 9. AM. And we really enjoy having you along and you're very welcome this morning. With latest figures showing the average house price is now well over 300,000 countrywide and 500,000 in Dublin City, raising a deposit is a huge ask for the average first-time buyer. And according to banks, 42% of mortgage applications use gifts, mainly from parents, towards deposits. But what are the rules around it? And just as importantly, the morals. Well, joining me now is financial broker John Lowe of moneydoctors.ie and on the line, Stephanie Regan, psychotherapist. John, let me start with you. You're very welcome back Thank to the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you very um, much. Do you get many clients who want to gift or provide for their children while they're still here, this gifting while living yeah, phenomenon? There, there's a phenomenal amount of um, children who are being looked after by their parents. You know, um, like 10% of a deposit, like, you know, if you're looking at 500,000, that's 50,000. Mm. And even though there's the help to buy scheme, there's the first home scheme for new properties only. A lot of these kids are buying secondhand properties, so they're precluded from those two um, uh, helps. And um, so the parents are actually coming forward. But don't forget, also, parents have just come from 15 years ago, of the recession. And um, th- some of them are still in p- negative equity. Some are still suffering, you know, maybe their, their jobs were lost uh, and they're not on the same kind of salary that they were. So they, they're, they're still kind of finding the tough. So there's not every parent out there can actually afford mm. to give their child a uh, up to 335,000. Yeah, but nearly half of them are getting a gift of some kind and, and therefore, I suppose maybe there's a bit about wanting them to move out as well because, you know, there's that dilemma. They can't leave the house until they can afford to, to get somewhere of their own and and if I, if I have to give them cash, yeah. uh, let them go down. Now, is there any tax implication about gifting money mm. uh, to your children? No, none at all in terms of, you know, you gift, uh, as I like in the inheritance, um, 335000 is the amount. Now, don't forget, this is separate from the gift exemption uh, amount, which is 3000 each per year. Mm. I have a lot of parents, for instance, who are putting away 6000 every year for their children. That's mum and dad. Mum and dad. Yeah. And then at the end of 10 years, they've got 60 grand. At the end of 20 years, they've got 120. And that doesn't implicate then the inheritance amount at all? That's, outside that's outside of, that. of outside okay. of the inheritance. so three thousand euros a year yeah. for a you know the small gifts yes. exemption and then separately you can gift up to three hundred and thirty five thousand okay of which by the way we can go back to two thousand and nine and the actual threshold was five hundred and forty two thousand it's, it's come down quite a bit yeah but now that 
that 335, correct me if I'm wrong, that's an overall like lifetime. Lifetime. Amount. Like that in, yeah. it's including any inheritance that they might get. Yeah. I mean, uh, aunts and uncles, uh, you know, are also grannies are given like up to 32,500. Okay. Now, bear in mind as well, if you have a favourite aunt, she gives you 32,500, whoopee, everybody's happy. Next year, another favourite aunt gives you 32,500, you have to pay 33% capital So it's, it's from that whole group on that of... Whole group. Uh, whole group so you can only receive it once and outside of that then you pay CAT and are the banks happy enough in your experience John to take gifts as part of the deposit yes they are but you you need a letter uh, a formal letter and there's in fact some of the lenders would you believe have their own uh, set templates that you have to use in order to give to your parents and say yes I'm getting 25,000 for my parents um, again I suppose money laundering uh, is, is mm. part of that as well you know. and I suppose maybe the banks would be also concerned that a gift isn't quite a gift it might be a loan and, and is it different if that's oh the case? by gosh it is because then the parent has to give a, an interest rate uh, has to declare an interest rate and they have to pay that and um, you know uh, and then it, it goes against the, the applicant because if you have if you're going for a mortgage and you've got a car loan and now the parents are giving you a loan as well that comes into the whole reckoning and remember um, just for instance if you had a car loan 200 euros a month uh, that's 2400 that 2400 a, a year is taken off your salary and so you multiply that for a first-time buyer by four, that's the amount of mortgage that you're ineligible to get. Right, OK. So, so all your outgoings are kind of reckoned in what yeah. you can borrow then yeah. in your, uh, presumably that affordability, that repayment Absolutely. capacity. Okay. And that includes if, if you get a loan from the parent as well. OK, yeah. so so if you are getting something, the gift is the way to go for, for those Correct. who can. Correct. All right, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, thanks a million, John. Um, let me bring in Stephanie Regan um, because Stephanie, it's not just about money and about tax and about all of that. There's kind of a moral dilemma here. Um, I mean, parents instinctively want to help their kids buy their first home or even just move out. But can it cause tension within a family? Yes, I suppose. um, Hi, Sinead. Um, I think that it is, for me, obviously I'm looking at it in, in a strictly emotional, psychological kind of way and the way that people interact the kinds of problems that I see, I do see tension coming up in these situations. Sometimes it's about, sometimes it's about, you know, parents feeling obliged or feeling that others are able to do it and maybe they're, they're going to put themselves under pressure to do it. So that's an important thing. Mm. Obviously, there's difficulties if children feel entitled. That's another set of difficulties. I think also if there is a couple I would see this quite often that there's there's a couple and perhaps they're living, as you say, with this, you know, with the parents uh, saving and there's a desire for them to move, you know, for the parents would like them to move on. And and they also want, parents want to see their children build their life, you know, and Mm. and be happy and build their life. So there's a big impetus there. So I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody trying to help their children. And so I don't think there's a big dilemma in that sense. It's really just can you, should you, and is it the right thing? And in emotional terms, there's something, if I just finish on the couple thing, that if one parent of a couple can do, can deliver something financially and does so very willingly with all the right thoughts in their mind, it can still have a negative impact on the relationship and the the kind of equality of that couple going forward. And no matter what you say and no matter what you do, 
somebody was able to and somebody was not. And I think we all know in the in the in the in the love phase, there's no problem with that. But when it gets down the road and things start getting a little more yeah. real, uh, and let my mummy put I more money into this house. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. think they come up. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a really big thing. And I suppose the overarching thing is, of course, it's very rewarding for parents to uh, look at their children, build their life in front of them, and to give to give them something that can help them on that road. And I think the balance is just, you know, not spoiling anything for children in terms of their achievement, not children, but, you know, adult adult children, obviously. Um, but also not in any way curbing your own retirement plans or lifestyle um, or, or building in a stress for older people that, because stress doesn't sit well when you're older and it has a bigger impact. And I think that has to be factored in that money is money is something that older people often become quite sort of concerned about, even in an unspoken way. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that needs to be factored in. So, uh, you know, when you're having that conversation, I suppose, with kids who might say to you, look, it's only my inheritance early. You know, I'm going to be getting it anyway. And, and you know, some parents who might have put by a nest egg for their own retirement or are in retirement and have this lump sum mm. sitting in the bank to fund it. It's a difficult conversation to have, isn't it? I mean, what, what mm. way would you say that yeah. maybe parents should approach that if they are reluctant to kind of if they give, are reluctant. give yeah. the inheritance early? Look, if you've if you've if you've adequate funds and you absolutely have yourself covered and your retirement and all the eventualities, if we were all ever able to do all of that. But if you have and you have have the um, spare cash and you'd like to do it, I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's a it's a factor of balance. I also think it's about what what you have set into the minds of your children, because because largely um, whatever they think about this, you've probably passed it to them. You've probably told them that, uh, well, this is yours anyway, or, you know, uh, some such kind of message, or you'll be you'll be fine laterally because you'll get all this from me. Mm. So I think it's what you tell children. For me personally, I mean, I would have grown up in a time when, when, when there was n- no cash to be passed down. <laughs> and I certainly never, um, both my parents have passed away and it would have been, uh, you know, teeny weeny and very sentimental. Mm. anything that we got and was very cherished. But my point would be that if you if you let children believe that inheritance, that the money you are making is for them ultimately, I don't think it's a great message. I think that the message should be you, the, the money I work for in my lifetime is to protect me for all of my life and make sure that we have, that we're not a burden to our children mm. in any way. That's always how I see it. And and, you know, people's situation in older years changes very radically, very quickly, and is very unforeseen. And I just think that's the message that children need to have. And then if a gift is a gift, it's a gift. But if it's expected, it takes rather a different turn, doesn't it? Indeed. And a lot of the joy of it is taken, I think. Indeed. All right. So people have to be careful about that. And parents shouldn't feel pressured into into yeah. giving gifts that aren't that isn't completely disposable income or pre-planned to be a gift. OK, Stephanie, Correct. Stephanie uh, has the Tough Love podcast and I know you cover a lot of these topics and more on that. Uh, so thank you for joining us on that. Thank you, Sinead. Uh, John, let me come back to you just finally. Um, I mean, this thing about parents or people providing for their own retirement, for elder care in later life. Yeah. I mean, that's an, <clears throat> that's a really important thing for them to do, not to be frittering away that money because one of the 
kids wants to stay at home. Yeah. And in fact, there's many and many a parent I've said, listen, forget about your children. You need to look after yourself. You know, like in my own mother's case, um, she kept saying to the eight children, in, which I was one, uh, she said, I'm leaving you my house. But, you know, we, we didn't need the house, number one. And number two, um, we used the house as security to arrange an overdraft to have two nurses night and day yeah. for her yeah. to be looked after. That went for six years. The bill came to 395 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we use that in the right way. We didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't need the money. But um, there's a lot of parents out there who who would actually literally give the the, the last morsel of food off their plate mm. for their children. Mm. And I have to even grown of, up children, yeah, they're educated, yeah, who are married, who yeah. have kids of their own, or they got into a little bit of uh, trouble, you know, and they want to bail them out and and uh, all that. But children have to look after themselves first. And if if as a, you know Stephanie said, there's abundance of money there, fine. Then you can you can you can give a few balls. Yeah. All right. Well, good advice and dovetailed advice there from John Lowe, moneydoctors.ie and Stephanie Regan of the Tough Love podcast. Now, the historic gardens at Majestic Johnstown Castle Estate Museum in County Wexford have undergone substantial renewal and replanting projects over the last number of years and have opened to the public. Now, to talk me through what people can expect when they take the trip down to the beautiful sunny southeast and have a snoop around, I'm joined by Anna Donoghue, Chair of the Irish Heritage Trust. And you're very welcome to the news, to the uh, Home Show studio. Good morning, Sinead. Thank you. Now, um, tell us a little bit about the history of Johnstown Castle. It's nearly a thousand years old. Yes, but not it far hasn't off. been open to the public for all that long. Mm. It was in private ownership for a long, long time, uh, having been granted to the Esmond family back in the 12th century after the Norman invasion. And uh, we'll gallop through to the uh, 1800s <laughs> right. when um, basically the Knox, Grogan, Morgan family were in residence. And Hamilton... The, the owner, he basically engaged with a very famous architect who's also known for Paris Court and so on, Daniel Robertson. Mm-hmm. And they did what we would call today a major remodelling. Okay, right, so okay. The full trans- Dermot Bannon treatment. The full the Monty. Back, and so what they came up with is a fabulous, it's fairy tale gothic revival castle. So what you see today if you're standing in front of that castle is turrets and lavish sort of building and then you turn around, you're back to it and you're faced with beautiful parklands three lakes, you know, kilometres of beautiful walks and a variety of wildlife, as well as ornate gardens and so on. And of course, standing today in the farm courtyard buildings, we have, it's home to the Irish Agriculture Museum. So loads to see. So loads to see. And you've done all this work you know, up to, you opened what, about four years ago? Yeah, in July 2019. Okay, yeah. so there yeah. was a big project then to get it, was it Was it a big project it, to get it up to scratch and get most everything ready? certainly was, ready? yeah. You correctly said, uh, Sinead, the, ha- the castle hadn't been open to the public and that was part and parcel of a seven and a half million refurbishment programme. Yeah. So for the first time, we were able to open about nine of the main public rooms to the, pu- to the public, general public, as well as uh, building a beautiful new visitor centre and doing other remediation works and landscape works around mm. the site. It's universally accessible, by the way. Now, and there's an inside and outside, uh, you know, lots to mm. see, but mm. there's also a kind of an upstairs, downstairs kind of vibe as well. Tell us a little yeah. bit about how uh, the differences are very apparent between yeah. the staff, you know, the mm. servants mm. and and the posh people who lived above them. 
Yes, well, I suppose, you know, if you if you decide to pop in your car, get on a bus and go to Johnstown any Saturday, Sunday or any day of the week for that matter, because we're open seven days a week, you can have a guided tour of the castle. And so you get to see the grand rooms, the drawing room, the dining room and so on, the library. But you also get to see the downstairs. So if you think about the upstairs, downstairs or Downton Abbey, you get to see the servants' quarters, the kitchens and Something that's really unique, I think, to Johnstown Castle is an 86 metre long underground tunnel because, of course, back in the day, servants should be not seen and definitely not heard by the gentry. So that led from what is called the meat store out in the grounds and leads right into the basement kitchen. And, you know, servants, boys and girls as young as six, seven or eight back in the day were basically travelling up and down those tunnels in semi-darkness. You know, we have a lady, an elderly lady from the community came to us and said at seven years of age, she basically had to carry the eggs up to cook and boys used to delight in jumping out from dark spaces to frighten the daylights out of her. So it's an amazing place. It tells so many stories. Uh, and of course, you know, getting even food up while it was still hot, you know, mm-hmm. the servants would get mm-hmm. it in the neck if they didn't do their job right. But mm-hmm. yet they were hidden down here so that they couldn't be seen or heard. <laughs> so, so it was a different kind of a life for sure. Now, there's still a lot more work to be done. Mm-hmm. There's a greenhouse, mm-hmm. a glass house. Mm-hmm. That is, is that to undergo refurbishment as well, Anne? So uh, the Irish Heritage Trust, we're a non-profit, but a big so, and as a non-profit, we reinvest everything that we earn at the site back into to continually, I suppose, to keep developing it and sharing its stories. So, since 2019, we've spent a couple of million more actually uh, in doing various projects. Among those, a beautiful 50 metre long Richardson glasshouse within the walled gardens. And this year, we will do uh, the back sheds, which are the sheds that would have been very functional over the wall from the the large glass glasshouse. We're also doing the smaller glasshouse, also a Richardson one, all conservation led. We're doing the head gardener's house. So. And, and and again, as part of all of that venture, we are in the middle, year two of a three-year replanting programme within the Wall Gardens. And by the way, that is done by our, our gardening team led by our head gardener, but also an incredibly enthusiastic 45-strong uh, garden gorilla group, as we call them, our volunteers, <laughs> without whom we couldn't do what we do. Okay. Amazing. And, and people get very passionate about you know, mm. the history and, and keeping mm. heritage plants, maybe, mm. or or things that would have grown there perfectly normally and we have bred out over the years maybe in favour of mm. perfect vegetables and fruits and trees and all of that. So is it difficult to source um, some of the uh, plants and maybe the original plans? Mm. Are you trying to restore it back to the way it would have been then or or is it a more modern take on it for, for visitors? There are probably two things that are really important. One is um, that the design, the original uh, design of the garden had had gone. Uh, all that really remained standing were the walls, the perimeter walls and uh, a very, obviously, a, a, a glass house that wasn't in great condition. So we've done the glass house, but our new design, garden design, takes inspiration from Pete Udolph and we're doing what's called prairie planting. And what is incredibly, I think, uh, wonderful about it also as part of our biodiversity initiatives is that our volunteers are propagating seeds on site of native plants and flowers. So we are we're creating herbaceous borders. For example, this year alone, the planting will comprise over 3,000 plants grown from seed 
on site. Mm. And mm. some of our volunteers, for example, are specialist espaliers. They train trees and cut them. They grow trees. So heritage varieties of apples are being reintroduced. And in the glass house, where we opened the temperate house last week following the refurbishment, we are now growing low-hung bananas. Oh, go In away. honour of the fact that Johnstown Castle was the first grower of bananas in the southeast of well, Ireland there way There you go now. I wouldn't have thought you would have seen a banana yeah. on this side of the of the equator. Certainly did. Fantastic. All yes. right. Yes. Now, talk to me a little bit, Anne, about the Irish Heritage Trust itself, mm. because it may be a body that maybe not everybody mm. knows about. Mm-hmm. How, you know, how long have you been there? What do you do? Mm. And, and how are you funded? Is, is this a public uh, body? Yeah, uh, Sinead, the Irish Heritage Trust was formed in 2006. Uh, We're actually a private company, so we're an independent heritage body and we're also a registered charity. And our key responsibility in our mission is to basically care for and bring to life and share with as many people as possible some very, very magical and special heritage properties. So in order to do that, yes, we absolutely, we benefit from some public funding, uh, principally through the Department of Heritage, but also sometimes through grant schemes from Heritage Council and so on. Um, But our job is to make each of these properties, bring them to life, breathe new life in, but make them financially sustainable over time. So in addition to the public funding, which comprises um, probably about 30% 30% of mm. our funding. We we build a series of revenues at site. So everybody who comes to site contributes to what we're doing, whether it's the ticket price, membership. We have 8,000 members since we launched in 2019 for Irish Heritage Trust. Um, also through, uh, if you buy a cup of coffee or a scone or a bun, um, events at site. And mm. we have a whole series of events. Yeah, I was looking at the website. So there's lots yes. of um, workshops and mm-hmm. things people can get involved in. And you can even get married down there. You most certainly can. <laughs> and actually, uh, over the last two years, we uh, had one of, I think, what is an incredibly wonderful exemplar heritage project. Over two years, we refurbished the east wing of the castle, a turreted east wing. And, you know, we, we applied all the principles of conservation. So reuse, recycle. We had a fabulous, for example, a stock of historic oak on the site. And we managed to bring that into use to make all of the floors, because the floors were more or less yeah, gone. Yeah. Uh, we had, and we, I love to talk about uh, that there was the ballroom ceiling incredibly ornate plaster and painted which would have been Mm. the way in the day it was starting to fall down we had our very own Michelangelo we called him Shano Angelo on his back (laughs) on top of scaffolding for three and a half months hand painting that ceiling so it gives you an idea of the care and the conservation that goes into this and today people are getting married there they're having board meetings everything with fabulous so it's it is multi-purpose all right, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, I'm delighted, Anya, came in because it's kicking off a, a series that we're doing on mm-hmm. great and grand houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like the perfect one to start with. Where can people find out more about it? So we're on uh, all social media, Johnstown Castle Instagram handle at Johnstown Castle Twitter and johnstowncastle.ie is our website and you can pre-book online. And as I said earlier, it's universally accessible. Fantastic. All right. Well, listen, thanks a million for coming in and joining us on The Home Show. Thank you, Sinead. Now, next Friday, July the 14th is, of course, Bastille Day. And this got us thinking about the profound influence France and French culture has had, not just on Ireland, but in the world, really, as a whole. Well, to explore uh, what is intended for Bastille Day in Ireland, I'm joined by Dr. Louis Guillon, Honorary Consul of France for the Midwest region and founder and coordinator of the Limerick Bastille Day Wild Geese Festival. Louis, you're very welcome to the show this morning. 
Thank you. Now, can you talk to me a little bit about the historic connection between Limerick, where you're based, and France? Right. So, first of all, I should say that there is a huge connection between uh, Ireland and France generally, and that dates back to uh, ancient times, to the Middle Ages, really. But um, And there are many, many, many historical ties between our two countries. But in terms of Limerick specifically, there is one particular episode which marked our relationship, which is the flight of the wild geese in 1691, mm. when over 12,000 Irish soldiers and their families left Limerick, left Ireland, and ended up settling in France, serving in the French army and making a life in France. So they settled there and we know from that time, I, I mean, there's a huge connection, even tasting something, uh, thinking about something like wine. I mean, you have uh, great French wines with Irish names like Lynch Bag, for instance, Indeed. you know, and, and, and other ones like that. Isn't that, it, it, There's lots and lots of connections. Indeed, indeed. And those uh, vineyards that you are referring to, uh, which were for many of them founded by those descendants of those wild geese, are often referred to, that's the pun, as the wine geese. And you do have Chateau McCarthy, Chateau Lynch Badgers, Chateau Kerwan, for example. You have, of course, Hennessy Cognac as well in the southwest of France. So those connections in the wine trade are uh, very numerous. Now, I was surprised to learn that there was a link with the Irish flag and its design and the French tricolour. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. And that dates back to the French Revolution, actually, of 1789. The French Revolution had a huge influence on the Irish Republic. Basically, one can say that the Irish Republic was founded on the values promoted by the French Revolution. And that's one of the reasons why, for example... Uh, in 1848, when Thomas Francis Meher traveled to Waterford and raised the Irish tricolor for the first time, this tricolor that is still used nowadays as um, Ireland's emblem was modeled on the French flag. And the very flag that Thomas Francis Meher raised in Waterford in 1848 was actually gifted to him and made by Parisian women. And that was a way to um, promote that connection, that deep connection between the values of the French Revolution of liberty, equality and fraternity and the values of the Irish Republic. Mm. And that's why, and that's something that not many people know perhaps, when the first Doyle sat, sat uh, in 1919, Doyle Eran, the uh, Declaration of Independence was read first in Irish, of course, but then in French before being read in English. Well, you're quite right. I didn't know that. How interesting. Um, so there is that absolute democratic, I suppose, underpinning of who we wanted to be as an early Ireland uh, Irish state and who the French uh, already were, having overthrown uh, their monarchy uh, hundreds of years beforehand. Now, talk to me about the origins of the Wild Geese Festival, which you're involved in and uh, how it came about and what people can expect uh, to see at it. Sure. So that was when I was appointed as Honorary Council of France back in June 2019. I looked at what in the history of Limerick could connect it to France, as we've discussed, and the flight of the wild geese, you know, came to the fore. And I thought I would organize every year an event around the, the weekend closest to Bastille Day mm -hmm. to uh, celebrate that uh, connection with France. So that's how it came about. 
And the very first uh, festival attracted over 1,000 visitors. So we thought we really have here material to organize something annually. This year, and I'm talking to you right now from the Limerick Milk Market, actually, we're getting ready for uh, the, the, the week TF Festival. I know it well. Uh, fabulous, fabulous <laughs> place. We have plenty of events. We have a banquet, uh, which is unfortunately sold out now, but already, or fortunately for us, uh, which is uh, at the Milk Market. We have an event at St. Mary's Cathedral, and we have a whole range of activities taking place in the Hunt Museum Garden, mm-hmm. um, uh, notably uh, for all ages, really. Um, and these are artistic, cultural activities with reenactments. So plenty of fun for all the family uh, on Saturday the 15th and Sunday the 16th of July. Now, one of the things, of course, you're doing, one of the events is the screening of the Flight of the Wild Geese, uh, which was produced by local teachers. Isn't that right? It's correct, yes. From uh, Corpus Christi Primary School in Moiros. Uh, entirely directed, produced by the teachers there, in particular, uh, Finula Bromo uh, um, uh, and Dermot Kelly, and starring the, the fifth-year pupils in all the leading roles. Oh, fantastic. All right, so you get re- a full reenactment uh, of all of that. Um, tell me, uh, Louis, what does an honorary consul do? So the Honorary Council is uh, here in the region to represent the French Embassy, to uh, assist French nationals who reside in the region with administrative matters, such as handing over passports, ID cards, uh, assisting French nationals who visit the region. And you have a lot of people, French people traveling to Ireland every year, uh, over half a million. So uh, assisting them in cases of emergency but also developing the cultural and economic links between uh, the particular region I'm representing here and France. Now, of course, Irish people are looking to France uh, in September because, of course, uh, France is hosting the Rugby World Cup and uh, we hope to storm our own Bastille over there by beating the French with a little bit of luck <laughs> at the any, t- any tips for Irish people planning on heading over there? The hotels are a bit pricey, the flights are a bit pricey, but sure, that happens everywhere. Yes, indeed, indeed. And the good news, the really good news for those people, uh, Irish people traveling from the Midwest region, is that we have a flight connection which is going to open uh, from Shannon Airport on the 22nd of uh, September directly to Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. So that will make traveling to France for the Rugby World Cup uh, much easier. Wonderful, wonderful. And of course, we'll be in the final for that. So people will definitely want to know of about Of course you that. will. Uh, <laughs> you might not win the final. Oh, <laughs> oh steady <laughs> on now. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, it's fantastic to talk, talk to you. And pe- people, I suppose, where can they find out more about the Wild Geese Festival that you're running? So uh, it's very easy. They can go on social media and search for the Limerick Bastille Wild Geese Festival on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or go on the, the limerick.ie website where they will find the full programme of our festival this year. All right. And there's parades and ceremonies and the Defence Forces Band is going down and the film and all of that. So lots and lots and lots to entertain. Uh, and I hope that it is all a great success. And bon chance et merci beaucoup. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, that's uh, Loïc Guillon. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you, Sinead. <laughs> 
Now, whether it is Wimbledon, which we're in the middle of it, the women's soccer uh, coming up uh, later in the month and the Rugby World Cup coming up in September, it is definitely turning out to be a summer of sport. And of course, most of us will want to watch at least some or all of that on telly, on laptop, on streaming services or whatever you're having yourself. Uh, so I'm delighted to welcome in our tech guru. No, not tech guru, our interiors <laughs> guru. am I a sports guru. So. <laughs> who has been boning up on all of this. Uh, Jennifer Sheehan, former Home of the Year winner. You're very welcome back to the Home Show. Are we taking you out of your comfort zone here? Well, there, I feel I have very strong opinions on certain aspects of TV watching and no knowledge whatsoever on others. But I've, I've brushed up. I've brushed up. Now, it strikes me that in your tiny, beautiful home, you probably don't have a 60-inch no. television. <laughs> no, I do not. And a big shout out to to my, my cousin-in-law, who gave me lots of information for this, who has taken up an entire wall of his small living room with the television. Oh, how so, did I know so it was a his? I I'm haven't. just putting that out. What were the chances? Right. I haven't. You haven't. So I haven't. tell me, because I know you were in here before and you mentioned that you're a big fan of of projector yeah. have a projector so I how will does that die work? on this hill I just think they are the best solution pretty much for any home but also for small homes so projectors have gotten so 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 good in recent years they you can get little small portable ones e- even those small portable ones are quite high quality perfect for for my taste right because I'm not a gamer I'm not mad in sports I'm not looking for cinema quality at home I just want something I can I can watch and what do you project onto the wall, is it the, wall? Oh, the wall. Okay. so they're really good so my, my favourite one at the moment is the Samsung Freestyle, right? So really easy. It goes like 180. You project it onto any old surface at all and it just recalibrates itself. It refocuses, resizes and a whole bunch of different colours. So even if you have painted walls, like my walls aren't pure white, you know. Mm. So even if you have painted walls, it'll it'll colour adjust and you can kind of watch it And is it sharp anywhere. enough, uh, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's very Are you closing good. all the curtains it's 1080 and pulling HD. It's 1080 HD. Okay. So, so that's, you know, that's probably the, the lowest quality you'd want to go for in a really good TV. Most people might want to go for 4K, which is super, super all together. But it's very, very, very good. It's okay. very good. And you can tuck it away afterwards then? It's, it's gone. Okay. It's gone. It's the okay. size of a large tin of beans. Really? A very large tin of beans. Wow. Like a jig, I'd like a, like a mega tin of beans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what would one of those set you back? Jennifer? They are 749. Okay. They're 749. Well, so when you think about the price it, of those massive Well, this is the thing. And they're, I mean, you can't move them from room to room because I often on a Sunday morning get my bowl of Coke Pops and I like going back up to bed and flinging, you know, I get my little projector and I like that up on the roof or I might project it onto my blind or whatever it might be. Uh, so it's really portable. So you can have, you know, you can have a TV wherever you want the TV. And, you know, the, the tellies are... 800 plus, really, for a very, very good yeah. one. And the other thing is size. So even if you're getting, you know, if, if you're looking for a big TV, if you have a big space and you want a big picture, projectors can get you up to 100 inches, nor potentially even bigger. This one can get up to 100 inches. So that's the diagonal measurement okay. um, wow, of the screen. Width. That's huge. That's, that's as big as you'd ever want. So what the mechanics then, you just plug it into your laptop, yeah. is that no, it? No, you just plug it in altogether. It's, it's smart. So oh, a lot of them okay. are smart. Yeah, yeah. So this one is smart. Um, there's a few other options. You know, the, a really popular one at the moment is the XGI. Um, I. <laughs> oh, really well, of course it is. The Halo yeah. Plus, oh, that's a 4K. So Halo that's Plus. really, really high quality picture. That's 815. There's a really good one. There's a, the BenQ have a lovely one. Nebula Mars 2 is a really good one. So all the way down to kind of four high 400s, low 500s prices. You can get really, really, really good ones. Okay, so that's good a great option. And, and you'll have it then for good. And even if you watch all the sport you want during summer, you could then use it for kids' cartoons that's or... Yeah, okay. The thing I'll say about them is you need to make sure you're watching them in... in 
the right lighting. So mine isn't brilliant. Yeah. If the sunlight is streaming in my back window, the picture isn't great. So that's fine for me. I'm not really watching daytime TV. But if you're big into sports and that's on in the afternoon. You'll want the clarity, the won't evening, you? You're okay. going to miss out on a bit of clarity. Now, if you have curtains and you can close off your room and mm. watch in the dark, that's fine. But that's the drawback is bright environments. They're not amazing. All right. Um, So any screen size then. So I presume you want to do a little bit of measuring before you spend that money. So this is the big thing, right? Don't stroll out to Harvey Norman (laughs) or Paris City or wherever you're going. Don't go wandering in and pick up any old TV. Make sure it fits where you're putting it. So think carefully about where you're putting it. Measure, and I mean get the measuring tape and measure three times how much space you have available. What width do you have? What height do you have? And bear in mind when you're going shopping for TVs, when when they give you the size, it's the diagonal measurement from the lower yeah. corner so to the top So if they corner. say 48 inches, it's not across the top. It's not across the top. Okay. That's diagonal. So you need to go back to maths and that's your Pythagoras theorem and <laughs> you can figure out what width it is. So measure and bring bring the measuring tape with you. The other thing is, what surface are you putting it on? So if you have, like, th- think about when you're buying the TV, what does the TV stand? Is it two very wide legs? Does that fit on the console or the, the shelf or whatever you have available? Or do you need to get one that has kind of a central stem? Um, if you're fixing it to the wall, that's different. But just make sure that the wall can take it. Because a lot of them won't come with that. That's you, the thing. You have to and buy. And you can buy them separately. You yeah. can. Okay. But just keep it in mind. Like, what surface are you putting it on? Do you have the width? Is the depth there for you to put a TV on that? Is, mm. is the TV, you know, is it? And I would add, you know. speaking from experience, make sure that you are able to set it up. I mean, a lot yeah. of these, I mean, they might look like they're out of the box, plug them in. Yeah. They might not I'm, I think they're getting better and better now. So most of them are smart. If you're If you're buying a good TV, with high picture quality it's ba- it is probably going to be a smart TV right so they all connect to the internet they all have built in apps um, so you just log straight into your Netflix or your whatever okay. and, and you watch away from there Okay so yeah. so the premise here of course then is stating the obvious is excellent broadband Yeah you want good you know, broadband absolutely You can't absolutely. be doing this with, with you know the equivalent of dial up Yes uh, Right okay so you need then what other equipment then do you need I mean you're going to need if, depending on your on your provider Yeah Sky or Virgin or Air whoever it is you're going to need whatever boxes and equipment and stuff that they yeah. require of you Well it depends so mostly now the TVs will be will be able to connect to your Wi-Fi so you don't necessarily have to set it up right beside your, your box you're not going to have to plug in you know an Ethernet cable if you have good mm. Wi-Fi so that's absolutely fine Think about your sound so if you're a real audiophile, does the TV that you're buying have, have good sound? Does it have a built-in sound bar? Or is that something that you need to buy extra? If it's something you're buying extra, does your TV have the right ports available? So does it have a HDMI port that you can plug those sound uh, or that those speakers into? Make sure that's all there. Now, see, this would be the point where I'd be in the shop and I'd have gone <laughs> off to look at candles. <laughs> Because I mean, you know, and that's how somebody comes home to my house then with 60 <laughs> inches worth of flipping TV. And does candles. <laughs> so I think I think that's a strategy that some blokes employ. Let's ask a thousand intricate <laughs> technical questions and she'll wander off and I'll be able to buy But they do bamboozle you with questions. So it's this is it where is you important. prepare. I mean, think about it. Because if you walk into a shop and somebody's like, well, this has OLED and a screen refresh rate of 120 hertz and blah, blah, blah. If you don't care about any of that, then don't pay extra for it. There's no point. So just think about what you do care about. I, I'm not hugely fussed about picture quality, for example. So I'm unlikely. I actually think sometimes that HD is too realistic and it kind of mm. ruins the magic mm. of the movie. So, you know, just... Really think about what you actually care about and then don't be oversold on things that you just don't really care about. Okay, good. All right. So avoid the selling up uh, uh, when you're in the the shop. Okay. Now, streaming services 
themselves. Yes. There used to be Netflix and Netflix. And now <laughs> there are, I don't know, a hundred different ones. And oh, they all want your money. They do. And you can kind of feel I'm only watching one series, but I have to now down, you know, get up the script subscription. And I know that lots of people like me pay for a month or two, what binge watch and then cancel the subscription. That's a really smart way to do it. It, well, it is because it just keeps coming in. It keeps it? coming in and it, they add up. They add up. So that's a really smart way to do it. If you if you're watching away, you know, get to the end of whatever it might be, succession on on Now TV or get to the end of whatever it might, you know, you're watching at the time. Yeah. And then plan your next one. So you don't have to be paying for them all all the time. They all have uh, free cancellation. None of them, of the big ones anyway, have a sign up fee. So cancel with abandon and yeah. sign up again. And and some of them actually fun. even give you a kind of a free trial, maybe for a few days. Yeah, they do. To, to kind of <laughs> take your week off work and binge Almost watch. And all of them back. do. The only one I found that didn't actually is Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't need to probably. They don't need to. Everybody else gives gives at least seven days. Okay. And of course, you've this whole thing about the number of devices. Uh, I've already told my kids that when Netflix brings in the, we're only allowed, we're charging for extra (laughs) devices. They are. They are the extra devices. And that's something to think about with the smart TVs because that is an extra device. So if you're used to watching it on your phone and then suddenly you get a smart TV, even though it's the same account, you're actually watching it on two devices. So that's something to think about. It it's, it might be worth getting a Chromecast so you can so you can save on devices. But this this thing of how many devices can you watch on, how much can you scream at one time, this is a really clever strategy. If you're somebody who wants all of the subscriptions and you want all of the TV programs and you watch a lot of TV, then get together with your family or your friends and plot out how do you who maximize this? Who has what? So Netflix for example, is eight ninety nine a month for the basic standard watch on one device. It's twenty ninety nine a month for four devices. So actually, if you get together with your friends, you can do it for I think five twenty four, five twenty five. Yeah, as long as they, as long as they're still allowing it, because they were supposed to bring in yeah. this curtailment, but they didn't. They did not in yet. So you can have, you know, if they're not kids. Yeah, uh, you can have the, somebody pay for that in the family, somebody pay for and that. then somebody else pl- pay for Prime. Apple TV allows for six, oh, so there's okay. a great deal yeah. to be had there. Now TV allows for up to three. Prime allows for up to three. So, so you know, you can really cut your costs there. Okay, you, and you have to be you kind together. of smart about your smart exactly. uh, TV, right, exactly. and your streaming. Okay, brilliant. So, what will you be watching now over the summer? My number one favorite. I keep going back to this. I'm absolutely obsessed for all mankind on Apple TV. So right. Apple TV has my attention at the moment. Okay. The morning show is great. Ted Lasso is great. For All Mankind is my favourite. It is about the space race. It's a it's an alternative history where the space race never ended. I love space. It's brilliant. Well, uh, that's a yeah. good recommendation. Yeah. I am just finishing off Ted Lasso, I must say. Absolutely lovely. super. I recommend lovely. it to everybody. I was very disappointed, Netflix, with Black Mirror, the current season. Yeah. But uh, they have... Th- the previous seasons of it going all the way back and I urge anybody who's never seen Black Mirror don't base it on the current series go back to the mm. beginning it's absolutely Netflix fantastic. has great property ones as well so Netflix has Selling Sunset which I can't get enough of the drama even though I don't love the houses it also has a brilliant French one called the I think it's the Parisian Agency or L'Agence which is a French family and they mm. show off all these amazing houses really recommend that one Okay brilliant alright that's fantastic and of course uh, Now TV is the one that comes with the little dongle doesn't it? And now TV yeah. you can get a dongle so yeah. If you're not buying a new TV and your TV is not smart, you can buy a dongle and that means that you can just cast it directly from your phone. So okay. that's a, a really clever oh, way of watching TV. Like you just plug it into your TV and right. it, it means you can watch okay. it on And TV. Disney Plus is taking over by all accounts. It's not just for kids. It's not just for kids, especially if you're a Marvel fan. 
It's got WandaVision. It's got all the Marvel movies, all the Avengers movies. It's got all the Star Wars franchise. Apparently, The Simpsons has gotten really good recently. So they had a bit of a, a bit of a dark age, I would say, in the last few seasons. Okay. But it's gotten excellent again recently. So they have The Simpsons. Okay, well, the I must say, I'm not into all that stuff, but I loved WandaVision. Oh, I WandaVision thought it was just fantastic. beautifully made and absolutely yeah, super. For all me, right. the best part of the Marvel. Okay, well, there you go. That is uh, all you have, folks. If sport isn't your thing, lots of great tips there from Jennifer. And if it is your thing, well, you're going to be wall to wall for the rest of the year. So uh, uh, I hope that... Uh, Ireland in whatever guise it is whether <laughs> it's playing soccer Irish with something. the women or whether it is playing rugby with the lads well then let's hope that uh, it's winning all the way Jennifer Sheehan uh, thank you so much um, for joining us once again with all of that delighted to be here The Home Show with Sinead Ryan Saturday morning at 8 with Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.